Welcome to Beneath the Briefs, a podcast by Prism Health North Texas. I'm Tree. Hey, this is Anna. And today we're going to be talking about a very important topic, especially in this day and time. I think that it is important for us to bring up the conversation about accessing healthcare as a black person. And to do that, we have three excellent guests today, um, which I'll let them introduce themselves. We're going to start with our own Dr. Morris Harris. Hi, I'm Deborah Morris-Harris. I'm the Chief Medical Officer at Prism Health North Texas, and one of our goals and values is to have equity of care for a diverse population. I'm Devin. I am absolutely thrilled to be here and to dig into this conversation. And I'm Sophia. I am also thrilled to have this conversation. I've had this conversation multiple times being <laughs> um, a graduate with um, a bachelor's in black studies, so I'm excited. What are some of the issues? I, mean, I know that there must be many of them, but what are some of the things that are that are leading to black people to not access health care? Well, my first answer in my mind, I would like to say structural racism. <laughs> you know, to kind of put it into Just a nutshell, lack of access, purposeful lack of access and resources. And, mm -hmm. th and that, that has been compounded over time. So even if it's not specific players with this dastardly plot, you know, to, mm -hmm. to kill us or make us sick, because we have established this system and it's been working this way for so long, it is now perpetuating itself. And for our listeners, what do you mean by structural racism? Like, what does that mean? Because I don't think a lot of people know what that means. To, I wasn't expecting you to ask me that. So, <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so structural racism, to boil it down to, to what the easiest definition is for me, it is systems of oppression that has been created. So it doesn't have to be one person's prejudice that is causing you, you know, a discomforting experience. One, it's not just someone calling you a racial slur or, you know, harming you in that way. It is creating policies, it is creating, creating entities and systems that further disenfranchise you on the basis of you being who or whatever you are. That is correct. So when you go to the doctor's appointment and you present as a black person, there are automatically these judgments, these thoughts associated with this person. Um, and that's what that that's what that what she's trying to say. Yeah, um, that's my little example. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I uh, have come to it from a different point of view, um, just from some recent readings. Uh, and one book that I would uh, really recommend to everybody is called Cast. Cast uh, uh, is by uh, Isabel Wilkerson, and she describes in it the genetic code for racism. Mm. Not only in uh, America, mm -hmm. but what happened in Germany with extermination yes. of Jews, mm -hmm. uh, and what's happened for centuries in India. Mm. And uh, caste actually describes uh, their system. Mm -hmm. And what caste is about is a power differential mm -hmm. with those at the top having power, having resources, and those at the bottom having being none. oppressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a way of looking at what is the DNA which keeps reproducing itself even when we think we've made progress in terms of oh, yeah. racial reconciliation, uh, voting rights, whatever mm -hmm. the issue may be, why do these things keep reoccurring? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I lived through the last part of the civil rights mm -hmm. uh, era. Um, you know, actually had a chance to see Martin Luther King before wow. he died. And so for me, it was very real 
of the Selma to Montgomery walk and when he talked about inequity in health care being among the most egregious type of racism. Yes. Um, and so I think that what we are facing now is just a resurgence of a very old uh, spore, if you will. Mm, I like that. In, in cast, mm -hmm. uh, she starts out the book by saying that anthrax killed people in the Arctic Mm -hmm. because of global warming. Yes. And yes. as those carcasses began to come back up that had been buried for thousands of years, mm -hmm. the anthrax spores had not died. Mm -hmm. no. And mm -hmm. so she compares racism to that kind of a spore that will resurface unless we do like uh, Jews in, in uh, Hitler's Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. We will never allow this to happen again. Mm -hmm. She said, we have to be vigilant and make sure that uh, we never allow it to happen again. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about a caste, it's a, it's a hierarchical system of power. Yes. And it reproduces itself, just like the DNA in mm -hmm. our body, generation after generation. And she mentioned the 2016 election, that there was a silent complicity mm -hmm. with uh, of whites who felt that Trump was their last chance mm -hmm. uh, Very to, to, to hold on to mm -hmm. power. Absolutely. And so when you have this desperate attempt to hold on to power, it reproduces itself because it has value for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to tell people anything. They just sort of automatically it know. It perpetuates itself, yeah, absolutely. Those do. spores continue to reproduce, mm -hmm. and they spread, absolutely. And, and, and the thing I thought was interesting about it is I put myself, I said, what has been my worst experience as a black physician with a black patient? Mm -hmm. And it has been in a situation where it was an older black woman who really felt um, stigmatized by her diagnosis of HIV. Mm -hmm. And I came in with a white coat and I portrayed to her what we see in a black-white relationship. It was an upper class caste mm -hmm. oh, with wow. power mm -hmm. over me that I did not, and it's someone who I had not granted the permission to have this authority over yes. me. Mm -hmm. And um, it comes about all the time. And so we just really have to be very sensitive to our um, skin tones. You know, we've taken 0.1% of the genetic differences that exist among humanity. You know, it's mm -hmm. that God created us all equal. The Global Genome product, uh, Project mm -hmm. has substantiated that, that we're the 99.9% .9 of our genetic material is identical. There mm -hmm. is no biologic mm -hmm. basis for race. No. But we've chosen skin tone, you hair texture, yes. facial structure, the superficial things uh, that identify people from their geographic regions. We've mm -hmm. chosen those things to really highlight and to uh, oppress people. Mm -hmm. It's about power and oppression. It to justify, is. yeah, to right. justify taking advantage and harming, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, it comes back from so long ago, from scientists, from Linnaeus, from all of that, of placing these values on people and, and pushing them down. I mean, that's And taking what they value did. away from other people, mm -hmm. yes. Right. But saying that it's science, and so we just, you know, we need to go, you know, we need to be happy about it. It's this, this discovery, but it's not. It's, it's racism, and that's, that's really what it mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Or it's divine. 
you know, this comes oh, from yes, a power divine, that yes. that is higher than all of us, <laughs> and they made it this way that this person mm-hmm. is up here, and this person is mm-hmm. down here, and this person is even lower than that, and and these things are are a manifestation of that. It is mm-hmm. it is the the hands of those type of thoughts, mm-hmm. and so I think what what is so when we talk about, especially with healthcare being a human right. That's where I think I find, you know, the instance of this so contradictory to that, because like you said, there is no biological difference. We are all human beings. We have the the same blood. We have the same conditions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of some something that has been constructed, something made up that we have Mm -hmm. decided is right. Mm -hmm. People do, can and will die. You know, yes. people will have a lesser mm-hmm. quality of life, and and that is extremely unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, oh, go for it. Oh. Well, I just have a question uh, for um, Dr. Morris Harris. So, I never really knew that there were barriers to access healthcare based on mm-hmm. race and things mm-hmm. like that until I started working here at Prison Health North Texas, mm-hmm. and it was it's completely eye opening. Mm-hmm. Why um, do you think that is? Uh, that you didn't know. I think because I've always had healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, it was provided to me by my parents, and once Mm -hmm. it was done, it was providing me through a job, um, or I just got it myself through the um, uh, Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I had the finances, and I was able to pay for it. My Mm -hmm. last job, you know, reimbursed me and all that stuff. So I never got to see that. Um, So I want to really know, like, for because I'm pretty. If I didn't know that, there are many people who Mm -hmm. don't realize that. You know, Mm because this this topic started coming up again because of COVID Mm nineteen. Yeah, even outside of ability to pay, like mm -hmm. ability to access the resources, the experience that you have, Mm -hmm. like with COVID nineteen, the experience that we are having, even as we access COVID nineteen testing, Mm -hmm. healthcare, all of this is different, and it is it is resulting in way more deaths yeah. of one group of people exactly. than and, the other. And that's the thing about that this topic has been going around a lot with, since March, um, mm-hmm. how it's, it's creeping back up. We're seeing it all the news about how, um, especially if folks in the black community are getting, has higher exposure rate to mm-hmm. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I just want um, for our listeners to know what are those barriers that the black community are facing? Well, I think uh, they're not really new barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're talking about is economics. Mm-hmm. And the whole mm-hmm. point of the concept of race has been based on economics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you think about power and you think about resources and you think about them being uh, sequestered uh, by one group and then one another group not having the power and the resources, uh, in order to maintain that, you have to play psychological mind games on mm-hmm. the people you're oppressing. You have to make them feel that either you know, and we've used it so conveniently in medical literature, risk factors. You know, I've got more risk factors than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I must be living wrong. I must be in the wrong community. I must, you know, something's, My body must be something's wrong. I must be yeah, mm-hmm. I'm defective mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think the interesting word uh, for this, and it comes from the Indian caste system, is Dalit. Dalit means broken. Mm-hmm. And in India, it's probably the most extreme form of uh, caste. It says, you're an untouchable. Mm -hmm. That means Mm -hmm. if your shadow should even come in front of me, I need to wash my sidewalk. You know, there is something dirty about you. 
-hmm. unworthy about you. And, and, you know, they've talked about this in, uh, in war strategies, how you dehumanize mm -hmm. the, uh, the people you're oppressing, and then it makes it much easier for you to oppress them or to kill them because you've taken all the value of their human life. Mm -hmm. You don't acknowledge that they are human. They're, mm -hmm. they're subhuman. And so when you have this kind of internalized racism, I don't feel worthy. If I have COVID-19, I have an additional stigma. Nobody's going to want to be around me. I can't go back to work. Uh, I need to be quarantined in my house. And so many people don't even want to get tested because it's like, I got enough going. You yeah. know, I'm a black much. woman, mm -hmm. um, you know, living in poverty. Why do I need to be COVID positive? Why do I need to be HIV positive? You know, it's, it's stigma on top of stigma, and they refer to that as syndemic. It's when you have a pandemic on top of a pandemic mm -hmm. on top of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. We had exactly. a drug pandemic, you know, and then you put an HIV pandemic on top of it. And a violence <laughs> pandemic as well. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it becomes piling on these mm -hmm. insults and these stressors. And so you have an internal perception. I'm not worthy of health care. I'm not going to get tested. I'm, I'm not worthy. What, you know, if I die, you know, my bills, I won't have any more bills. I won't have to go what to work. Yeah, what difference matter. does it make? Mm -hmm. Or <laughs> if I do access this, if I find out now, it's like it, it makes my life worse. Like you said, we were, I'm already struggling or I'm already attempting to survive. I'm dealing with the pressures of the outside world. I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to take care of my family. If that's the case, the last thing someone needs to know is like, okay, now I have HIV. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to work harder to manage that. Now I have to change my life for that the same way I changed my life to, to accommodate becomes, all of these other ills. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then it becomes how? how? How are you supposed to change your life if you have never, no one has ever given you the benefit of giving you resources, of walking you through it, of giving, like taking, like allowing to, you to take up space, to be sad, mm -hmm. to mourn, to do all of to those exist. things that are human, that is a human reaction but mm -hmm. you know i think of people that i, I talk to people all the time I, being fha like about what is happening in their world and they can't handle this this is too much this is like that little feather that broke the camel's back like mm -hmm. this is too much mm -hmm. yeah. um because it's and it starts when you're when you're a child yeah. you know mm -hmm. black people get told from the very moment they come out that this is where this is their cast this is where they are in the world and don't even try and go out of your way to change that because the world is going to let you know where where you need to be and where you're placed yeah. um so those barriers are when you go to the doctor Someone saying a slur or making a, um, an assumption or saying something that isn't kind, but you have normalized it. And so you just like kind of put it in your head and move on. It's it's like it's a constant it's going to the grocery store. It's everyday stuff that just is like a little tick away from who you are, of what you're worthy of. So that by the end, by your, you know, I don't know, 40 and you're like, well, OK, well, <laughs> I have HIV. I don't care anymore. There's no point. And that's in those those I agree with you in those cases of of where the issue uh, is is compounded with lack of resource, lack of access. And then you have the flip side mm -hmm. where it's like, OK, you know, I'm living, I'm I'm successful. I'm you know, I'm proud of myself. I don't I don't allow those things or, or rather I don't experience those things to be as much of a stressor in mm -hmm. my life. And and you shouldn't. That's the thing. You sh you're living your life normal. And then a doctor and then you go to the doctor and he doesn't listen to what you're saying, nope. mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, or she doesn't listen to what you're saying. They don't take your, what you, what you have to, what you're experiencing seriously, your you know, pain. they're disregarding mm -hmm. what, you know, it's, it's, 
And it's like I'm all of a sudden you're 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 introduced or you're taught now this this is this is what I am to this person. This is That's what I am it. to these people. Mm-hmm. And these people are are People Not only them. that, like who you need to, you know, to get what you need, but these are people that are seen as having the more valuable opinions of being the more respected, being people that you should listen to. So if if my doctor doesn't think it's important, it's probably not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it could I, be cancer. I like you know? that. I like that we brought the conversation to this point because I, I really think that when we talk about barriers um we have to talk about it from yes there are barriers as far as like economic status Mm -hmm. and access to transportation because we've seen it in our patients um here at prism accessing to like even language barriers because there there are some black people that their primary language is not english so but i think one of the main barriers in in history i mean has been those had psychological factors I mean you were talking about additional stigma how this person is not only struggling with racism but also about like the stigma of sexuality of oh now I'm dealing with a with an STI not only HIV but like gonorrhea chlamydia all of the Mm -hmm. things that we see out there because sexuality is is taboo Mm -hmm. like even to this day 2020 we don't really want to talk about sex. I mean, everyone's having it, but we don't want to talk about it. And it is negatively associated with your race. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this additional stigmas and specifically with psychological factors lead to those who are already on on the top of the pyramid per se, Mm -hmm. um, take their chance and be like, well, if I already see that you're struggling with this, let me go ahead and take a little more advantage of what I have already done. So um, I think, and, and this has happened in history. I'm bringing this up because I feel like um, one of the topics that we have for today is talking about the, and sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, Tuskegee syphilis trials. So I want us to talk a little bit about that because this is something, if you don't know your history, I love this phrase, if you don't know your history, you're content to repeat it. So I feel like it's really important for people to understand how this factors, all of these barriers for a particular group of people can lead to things such as the Tuskegee mm-hmm. syphilis mm-hmm. trials. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think um, I'm, I'm one of the other books that I've st- started reading recently is called Medical Apartheid. Oh, such a good book. <laughs> and good it, book. it just literally blew me away. And I think um, one of the comments that resonated with me was actually from um, one of the people who lived near Tulane University. I grew up in New Orleans. So I grew up um, not too far from the uh, university section, and there were always rumors about don't be out too late at night because they would take black bodies uh, mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. medical students mm-hmm. to do dissections on. Oh, wow. And there is an yes. actual quote in Medical Apartheid uh, from someone uh, who heard this, and they said, um, Someone from Tulane's pathology department said, use blacks rather than cats because they're much more plentiful. That is correct. And so when you hear comments like this, you know, I was thinking about how do we put this back into the context of what a patient experiences as they enter the exam room. Um, They don't know if the doctor that they're going to see is more medical scientist uh, along the... um, scientists that experimented in Nazi Germany and did, uh, you know, incredible Mm -hmm. crimes against nature. 
by doing experiments on humans, mm -hmm. uh, or if this person is going to be benevolent and uh, he's going to be a, a, a good person or she's going to be a good person. You know, we have mm -hmm. enough examples of doctors with uh, motives that are really uh, malignant. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about um, Sims, uh, oh, the gynecologist yeah. mm -hmm. that was uh, touted as the father of gynecology, uh, he experimented on black women in South Carolina for for years uh, with no anesthesia, uh, holding them down, uh, doing genital mutilation, mm -hmm. and resuturing their genitals. Yep. And uh, after years of perfecting his technique that. and developing the uh, speculum, he went to New York and was celebrated as a hero when he did mm -hmm. uh, perfected procedures on white That's women. That's right. Uh, so, you know, we have all this sordid past, and then in our recent history, we do have Tuskegee, uh, 1934, and then mm -hmm. for, for 40 years, they watched the natural progression of disease with no treatment. Even after penicillin was discovered 15 years later, mm -hmm. it was not offered to them. There was no informed consent. Mm -hmm. uh, and they finally, um, you know, Bill Clinton offered an apology uh, in, the, in the 90s for uh, having done this. And the U.S. Public Health Service, which I can say um, helped to sponsor my medical school training. So, you know, <laughs> everything has, has two sides. But the U.S. Public Health Service was responsible for this, and the CDC was complicit. Yes. I was going to exactly. say that word. Yeah. There's always been a complicity. <laughs> like, and like you said, there is two sides, but that other side will never never not exist. Right. And this is why t people talking about getting COVID, um, what are those things called? The shots for COVID. The, oh, the vaccine. The, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Vaccine. I yeah. cannot think of the word vaccine. Yeah. But the, this is why for black people, I, I, my family, I know my family, they're like, uh, COVID vaccine. Shot. What? No. Uh-uh. You go ahead and do it first. We'll Even see how that goes. But that's how it's always been. Like, when I think about my grandmother, who is a nurse, and my, like, ancestors just going down the line we didn't go to the doctor we we if you, unless you are like in critical critical need right, you, you go, go to the doctor to, yeah. but going in to get a checkup by your OBGYN oh no if you, it really is if it's working you're good you're good to go um so that distrust comes from generations and generations behind us and it's still a real thing here and now and so like and it's bringing back up like with COVID these vaccines mm -hmm. are forcing people to get flu shots that I know, like I just talked to my grandmother, she's like, I'm not getting a flu shot. <laughs> like I'm not doing yeah. that because Tuskegee was still in her lifetime. That is still something that's so present for her that she's just like, no. It's like we have a we have a built-in distrust that has been passed down, and it is for good reason. And and even though we are talking about accessing this or, or these things affecting Black people, this doesn't just happen to us. I mean, we've been having the national conversation about forced sterilizations of women who mm. are you know who are in immigration camps and are having forcible hysterectomies and knowing nothing about it. Yeah, you know, or women who Puerto Rican women who have been forcibly sterilized, Black mm. women who have been forcibly yeah. sterilized in over prisons? the years. This isn't mm -hmm. yeah. This this isn't something that that is just limited to the doctor's office. This isn't something that's just limited to the emergency room. This this type of thing happens in wherever healthcare you know, in healthcare in any mm -hmm. wherever you are accessing healthcare. Could it, it could be in your school nurse's mm -hmm. office? It could be in prison. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it could be wherever. And and like you said, you don't know, you don't know what what you're getting into with that medical professional. You never know what's going on. And that's a very scary thing yeah. to sit with. And that's why I really envy um, the millennials. You know, mm-hmm. um, they have with social media started what's called social capital. Uh, oh, we snitch. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> we will let you know. And, and the network and the the verbal and the, the social media mm-hmm. network and the ratings mm-hmm. are invaluable mm-hmm. because you keep somebody else from having the same bad experience, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and the word is out. You know, it, it becomes very apparent. I, and I'm very happy to say that we're at Prism Health North Texas where I think that we enjoy a very uh, great reputation for honoring and respecting diversity. Yes. Uh, if that's gender diversity, if that is racial diversity, if it's ethnic diversity, if it's language diversity, uh, we honor that, and it's part of our values. It's part of our mission and values. Mm-hmm. And uh, my job as medical director is to make sure that we hire people who have those same values. We don't want anyone here who doesn't want to touch someone yeah, or who comes in with a, a value system that dehumanizes or causes someone to feel less valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that. We accept that as our culture. Mm-hmm. And you have to work hard to maintain that culture because those spores, mm-hmm. like we say, everybody mm-hmm. grows up, you know, kind of inhaling the, the wrong uh, spores yeah. and you know you don't know when they're going to resurface but I think if you're on guard uh, just like Cass advises us to be on guard to make sure that it never happens again that whenever mm-hmm. you see this you know you're on guard to uh, root it out mm-hmm. and, and and to make sure that there's equity within mm-hmm. the within the workplace and within the in the treatment facility and so you feel yeah. like that's how you can you can you know how how providers and medical institutions can prevent this type of thing going forward. Right. You have to acknowledge that it exists. You have yes. to shine the light on it. You have to mm-hmm. be transparent. You have to say these are our values mm-hmm. and what you're doing uh, dishonors our values. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we don't want people as members of our teams who are going to dishonor our values. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, thank God for social media. Yeah. yeah. You know, I oh, mean, yes. you can get ratings, you can get reviews, mm-hmm. you can go online and put somebody on blast. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also think what is kind of important about what you're saying and, uh, and not going against, you know, what our values are, is that it also, I think it also requires an, uh, a healthy understanding, but also disregard of your own guilt about whatever complicity you know, you, you, you have been just, yeah, just, just by virtue Mm -hmm. of having that privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, that a lot of times these things are not talked about until they absolutely have to be talked about because people know and they feel guilty and Mm -hmm. they don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to acknowledge it. They would rather we just, yeah, Mm -hmm. we would just move on and then do it right now. Like, let's, let's just, let's just do the right thing today, Mm -hmm. but you can't do the right thing today without acknowledging the wrong thing that was done today, not just tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It, It brings back that whole truth and reconciliation trials that they had after apartheid yeah. in South Africa. They had to get it out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, they had to repeat what the atrocities were. Uh, they had to say, you you were guilty of this. You did it. In America, we do not do that. We do not <laughs> right. do that here. And no, going we forward, we realize that this is not the way we're going to operate, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's, 
truth think, and yeah. reconciliation. You can't have reconciliation without truth. Mm -mm. You have to expose what those uh, ills have been. I think that's where we really lack, especially in the United States, is we don't sit in our truth. We don't mm -hmm. sit in the fact Ever, that, never have. like, I'm a light-skinned black woman, and so I have privilege. That, mm -hmm. that, that is a privilege. And, like, that is a whole conversation that I have all the time. And Even people in are like, well, no, bed, that shouldn't matter. And I'm like, yes, it does matter. It mm -hmm. matters how people, how I receive care, mm -hmm. what resources are presented to me, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I, I see it a lot on social media. People are like, well, I didn't do it. I'm like, yes, you did. You did something. You did something to help this. <laughs> now, whether you're comfortable with admitting it or yeah. not, doesn't. You're enjoying the benefits. You are yeah. enjoying they the not benefits. Have, and not even if that's anything. the only something that you <laughs> yeah. did, you enjoyed the spoils yes. of whatever someone else had to endure. <laughs> like, it's such a privilege to not know that there are barriers. That's yeah. a privilege within itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. that, 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 to mm -hmm. me, says so much about where you are in the world, where people place you in the world. That, that's wild to me. And, and the thing is, uh, in a perfect world, that is how everyone would be. You wouldn't know that there are any barriers because yes. there would be. Yeah. <laughs> you live the way that it really should be. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not that mm -hmm. for all of us. Yeah, and it, mm -hmm. trust me, when I came on board and started learning everything, I was like, my mind was completely, completely blown. Mm -hmm. It'll it, make you sad and yeah, it'll make it you angry, really honestly. Yes. It, it really does. And it, it made me value my job here more because I know I'm making a difference in the community. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it was very mind-boggling. Yeah. So do you think there is hope for our healthcare system? <laughs> Absolutely. The more people, the more, first of all, the more people of these affected communities who participate in the healthcare system, the more patients who get resources and information and, and advocate for themselves. That mm -hmm. I think that's also such a big thing because we're taught or, or we, we're sent the message rather that we have less value, we're less likely to advocate for ourselves. And in and, and doing that, that is how even, you know, like and we that said with social media. And that medical providers know more. We yeah. don't know about our own bodies. They know, so mm -hmm. we just should be quiet and let them exactly. tell us what is going on with us. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. I, I think um, there's a movement afoot and, and this is even in the dominant uh, culture, to have open charts. Open charts gives you more information. You yes. can see what's in your medical record. You can see if they put, you know, slovenly black female or <laughs> whatever yes. uh, adjectives they may have used in yes. front of you in, in terms mm -hmm. of describing your condition. Open charts and what's called co-creating health. You are the expert by experience in your own body. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes, I, love <laughs> uh, I may be an expert uh, in terms of what's the general range of human responses to diagnoses and treatment, mm -hmm. but I need your input mm -hmm. on what's worked for you, mm -hmm. what's good for you, mm -hmm. what, what treatments, which diagnostic procedures are going to work for you and your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And there should not be any embarrassment or restraint or voicelessness mm. in terms of your interaction with your provider. If your provider is not willing to go that route with you, you probably have the wrong provider yes. because you have the right to help co-create your own health. That's you right. know, you, you are equally competent uh, to be an expert on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's too much to expect medical providers to just automatically change their complete <laughs> behavior. I think yeah. it's unrealistic. But I think p holding medical providers accountable, but also teaching people to to say, you know, take up space. You deserve to have the best care. You deserve all these things. And it's, I mean, that that's healing. That's that's how we're having yeah. to heal those ideals in order to get the best care. And I also think what is what is required to improve that, like you said, is a mass acknowledgement and reckoning 
of mm-hmm. this issue so that those because you know like if you're if you're having that experience with with the provider you may be at the wrong provider but what if that's the only provider that you have you know what yeah. i mean that's yeah. where yeah. you should have a resource regardless like for instance the the department of health services right this is supposed to be you know this is supposed to be the catch-all this is the public health you know solution mm-hmm. to these ills right and and most people have no relationship with them because they can't do anything for them. Mm-hmm. They really can't, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that also has to has to be um, has to be improved because when, like you said, we can't expect everyone to, or, or even a large number, you know, we can't expect most of them to to adjust because this is the air that we've been breathing. You know, mm-hmm. these spores, like mm-hmm. you say, like you keep bringing up, and I, I really love that so much. Mm-hmm. These spores continue to 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 fly and they multiply. So what happens now? Where is the where's the safety net? Where where is the fix when there isn't a fix? Mm. Well, you know, I I I've been listening to um to y'all talk about all these issues and and they are happening. But I think that a good way to bring change is not only yes, it has worked in Africa, like you were saying that all of these issues were brought up and people were aware of what was happening. But I feel like in this day and time it's not enough for people to just know about it no. not just know about the bad things that are happening but also how other people the ones that are still like are still navigate. allowing it are still allowing it are benefiting i feel mm. like it's um. not until you learn about how other people are benefiting and they're ashamed of even that because they know that they're taking advantage of certain groups of people and once that is out there i feel like that's what's really going to bring the change because mm-hmm. you're not you're putting them at blast like we were saying like and that's what works right now in this mm-hmm. day and time before mm-hmm. what worked was being aware of what was mm-hmm. happening now what works is being aware of what's happening behind the curtains Mm -hmm. so i feel like that that's really something that that could bring up change i think we really need consequences i mean i think about i was a nanny for eight years and i always talk about this because i think about it like as children like how children learn and develop Mm -hmm. in the world is consequences and redirection and redirection so i mean that comes down to our leaders our politicians saying okay well you did this multiple times now what what's what's that next step and i guess held accountable yeah Yeah. and i guess the best example because i mean people need to be made example of is the college school ga- the scandal the college scandal mm. that's been going on where all these celebrities are and actually and even then it's like what no, is it five it. you know <laughs> five months and you know yeah so and I, and I think people are like that's being all over the media and people are you know like I didn't realize that was an issue until all that happened. Yeah. And now everyone's like, okay, we're going to stop doing this. Or <laughs> on the flip side, it's like, oh, yeah, we've known that they've been doing that forever. forever. And it's just been <laughs> like, it, it's just what they do. And we can't. So, hey. Yeah. I know? mean, I've known of so many black women, black moms who try to, you know, put their kids in a different school district and lie about their mailing address and went to jail. Yeah. Um, so and if I not mean, jail that, went through a whole lot of hell. So mm-hmm. what about those moms? Are those moms gonna be able to leave jail or not have that on their record? So like, yes, we're like, like, um, we know that people are being aware of these things, but what what's the other part? There's like, there's yeah. this whole other part that isn't being addressed. Where do still. we fix the problem that created the the, the quote unquote bad behavior? Mm-hmm. Because you know, it, like with the example of these mm-hmm. moms, they didn't take their kids out of these schools and put them in these other schools to break the law. They did no, it to give their children resources. a decent education, mm-hmm. which is something that we should have access to. And that's the thing, because you don't have access to a thing, you have to go around and find avenues to do it. And when you can't 
can't, you're just left without. So now, you know, now you're in jail and, you're and your child is mm -hmm. now dealing with that. They may not have access to even more things all because because of what they didn't have access to to begin with. And none mm -hmm. of it was your fault. Yeah. 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 No, I really it does. It comes down to our leaders. It comes down to how we function as a society. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is hard. This is hard. This is a hard conversation. Yeah, These are hard truths. <laughs> well, when you look at, um, you know, the political landscape right now, it is a fight for, for power mm -hmm. and economic dominance. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's projected that in 2042, uh, America will no longer have a European majority. Nope. Uh, and that is a disturbing fact for people of privilege. And so uh, they don't want consequences. They don't want transparency. Uh, they want to be silently complicit in maintaining the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how can we hold on in spite of a changing demographic? Well, obviously, democracy is not going to work. No, <laughs> it's not. So if, if they're going to be in the majority, we oh. need another form of government. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we move more toward the totalitarian spectrum yeah. uh, of government. And it's really up to uh, individuals now. We're at the turning point. This is the crossroads. Yep, yep. And for, you know, so many other. people have said it in so many ways that, you know, the outcome of, of what we decide uh, now will really uh, determine our trajectory mm -hmm. as a nation. You know, will mm -hmm. democracy work if it's if it's a non-dominant uh, cast member mm -hmm. uh, that gets the upper hand? Mm -hmm. And oh you know, that's that's really the question. I mean, well, we saw are we, are what we, happened, right? Are, you know, are we willing to let go of privilege? And and that was a case where the spores got buried for eight years, mm -hmm. and, then and then came, came back, back with up a real vengeance. big, yeah. real big. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they did. Yeah, like the whole, the phrase in and of itself is white backlash. Yeah, that is what, and, and the, the, that's the cycle of leadership. Is usually there is a laissez-faire leader mm -hmm. who's not who's not really doing anything, and then you get a benevolent leader, or I'm sorry, then you get a totalitarian leader who comes in and does what they want to do, and then you get a benevolent leader who is supposed to be the servant leader and more for mm -hmm. everyone, and it's like a circle. Mm -hmm. And right now we're in the totalitarian stage. I hope the next stage ends up being benevolent. <laughs> I hope so, but. We see, you know, yeah. what the residuals of that are when you try to go forward in the right direction without that reckoning, you know, mm -hmm. without the proper care that that mm -hmm. is required to do that. And then what happens afterward? Because you can't you can't sustain this positive change you've made. Yeah. America is still what it was, you know, before then. And now it's even more. Yeah. Mm hmm. Great. Well, um, Dr. Morris Harris, do you have any final advice for anyone who are facing barriers and are afraid to go to the doctors and what they should do and what, where uh, they can get I, help? I would hope that uh, if you fall within our service areas for Prism Health North Texas, that you would try us. Uh, I know that uh, in Dallas, uh, we are kind of uh, a little speck of blue <laughs> in a sea of yeah. red. <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, there are efforts, uh, certainly I've seen uh, positive strides um, by Parkland and the county mm -hmm. uh, to be more sensitive to community needs. They're, yeah. they're putting more facilities in, they're doing more testing stations for uh, COVID-19. Uh, I think that there is a sensitivity, uh, an awakening uh, within Dallas County that is that is positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we want to treat people for the services we have and 
we want to partner with them, you know, even if it's for sexually transmitted diseases uh, with the county. And we have done that uh, in our wellness clinic where people who do not uh, have a diagnosis of HIV are treated uh, pretty much free of charge. Uh, and, you know, we help them deal with the barrier of whatever other marginalized group they're with and with the stigma of having a sexually transmitted disease. So, you know, we're, we're definitely trying to do our part um, and trying to reach out to the community and trying to encourage and be the conscience of other providers in the area um, to, to reach out and to make access available. And, and hopefully we will not see the death of the ACA and <laughs> yeah. or, or pre-existing conditions, uh, and we will be able to expand health care in Texas. That would be truly remarkable. It really and this would. is what we are, the, like those things, and I feel like the what uh, what what is a very important takeaway from this, because we're talking about, you know, the bad, essentially, and what, what the problem is, but the point of this is to express that you are entitled to equitable, accessible, and, and quality care just off the basis of you being a human being. being. That's it. That's literally it. You deserve and you should have that. And, and yes, I agree with worthy. you. This is a place where where those that that truth is not denied mm -hmm. you know like it, unfortunately it is a struggle you know we we are trying to move slowly but surely into making that possible and it's not easy every day but yeah absolutely that is something that that is important and it is no secret around here for sure no we take the time we honor where you've come from and all that good stuff mm -hmm. well I, I really appreciate this episode. I, I have learned wonderful. so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know that this is not only going to benefit those that are in the black community, but everyone in general. Yeah. Like just knowing about this, this is something that in ways affects other communities as well. So it's important sure. that we know history, that we know what we can do in the future, and that we know that we have that power to like make the difference. So I really appreciate all of our guests today. And... Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Morris Harris, for taking time Thank out of your busy you day so to come much. and chat it with us. It was an absolute really pleasure. Fun. It was an honor. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, this is a meeting of like minds. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, and thank you, uh, Devin Sophia, for joining us as of well. Of course, I would not have missed this. Yes, and if y'all have any questions or comments, please email us at beneath the briefs at prismntx.org. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Bye. See ya. The views, personalities, or opinions expressed during Beneath the Briefs are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Prison Health North Texas and its employees.